0: Welcome to the EQ4 podcast with me, Deborah McPhillamy. In this podcast, we talk about developing emotional intelligence as well as learning about social intelligence, how to handle your emotions in your relationships, in business and in your life in general. I also talk to other experts in the field and I'll give you some tools, tips and techniques to help you to be more EQ hi everybody welcome back to the daily eq show where we speak to empowering people with empowering stories people who have had life experiences and who want to share those experiences with you so that you know that whatever you are going through you are never ever alone and today my guest is john boys welcome john
1: hi how are you doing
0: I'm nice so you, good Deb. and I'm so happy to see you. So I have to confess, I know John and I met John when I went and did something crazy, but what was also amazing and transformative, um, I went and learned how to become a firewalking instructor trainer and John was an old hat to it. He was one of, the, one of the trainers. So it's so good to see you again. Lovely to see
1: you. Looking
0: very well. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So, John, I know you've got lots of stories and you've got lots of wisdom, but I want to talk about something that that kind of shocked you, I think, blindsided you in yep. quite a big way. And that it was last year, wasn't it?
1: Last, last May, yeah. I and mean, it was May, May
0: the 5th. Wow. So it was just about nearly a year ago. And that is when you had a heart attack. And, I mean, that must have been an incredibly frightening scary moment so tell us a little bit about that how that came about and and, and, mm-hmm. and just share with us what happened
1: okay um well i i got myself pretty fit the year before and um we we started uh, running you know we, you know my wife and, and i both were 65 last year and so we 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 started running at 65 which is probably not the wisest thing to do but <laughs> we had run before but not for a long time before and my daughter was big into running you know, she still is massively into running very competitive so she said no she said I've got people that are 80 that do the stuff do, like so you can do it so she gradually trained us up you know and she was our coach uh, and we started doing regular weekend runs with these uh, park runs which are organized runs around the world mm. and uh, normally 5k's so, and you know not massive runs but you know, massive at 65. If you haven't run for 30 years, yeah. Um, we got trained up for it, and we we seemed to be managing okay. You know, I was never going to beat any records, but I was finishing. Um, and we used to run with our dogs, so we had the dogs on like these bungee harnesses, yeah. uh, so they sort of pulling us along a bit. You know, so we had a little bit of extra, extra, extra traction. Um, and I, everything seemed to be great, and everything was going brilliantly. And we trained over Christmas, and we went away to Lanzarote, and we trained in Lanzarote. And we got pretty fit and um, then in March the lockdown as you know kicked in in the UK and Mm. um, I'm very much a social animal and a a get outside animal you know I'm a farmer's boy and so I hate being stuck and confined and by the time we got to sort of May you know I was getting really stir crazy we're not meeting people and all the rest of it so I said look I've got to be part of the solution rather than part of the problem. So I'm not, I've got to go out and find something to do because, you know, obviously like you, we couldn't do any events. Yeah. Uh, that was all. And you know, I had to, I had to cancel loads of events that I was supposed to be doing, um, which was, you know, really frustrating. Mm. So, so I thought, right, I'll tell you what I'll do because my, my daughter's partner was doing it. I said, I'll go and work down at Sainsbury's and I'll just deliver the van and, you know, deliver food to people that need it to, the, you know, to the vulnerable. Mm. I thought that's a great way of me getting some work, doing some physical work and, and being part of the solution and doing yeah. something useful with my time. Um, so I, I made it to day two. <laughs> so I arrived at St. Louis and uh, I was um, given a job to, when you, when you do the driving corp, uh, job, mm. you have to do a week in the store first to understand where everything is now everything works. Okay. So I was working with a whole load of university students who were all super fit um, and they were working like 12 hour shifts and they were, they were like working six hours and then having a break
0: yeah
1: i don't know about you but i haven't worked six hours without a break before for about 40 years you know uh, <laughs> <laughs> the older you get you can't do it <laughs> if i do six minutes without a break i'm doing well <laughs> so sick the thought of doing six hours without a break and doing physical work <laughs> you know? and so uh, by the end of sort of the afternoon of day two my chest really started to ache because we was doing a lot of lifting up above your heads with these baskets you know yeah and i thought Ooh, and I, you know, I've done a lot of gym work and I thought I must have pulled a muscle because it really hurt in my chest and I thought nothing of it and so I went home went to bed got out went back to went back to Sainsbury's on the third day and um ended up having what was probably a precursor to the heart attack which where I fainted and I, fainted, I felt really really unable to breathe and no, no energy mm. and um sat down for about an hour in the canteen and then eventually got, got in my car and drove home, which of course, if I'd, been, I'd had a tough tech, I wouldn't have done that. Um, I came home, rested for the afternoon. And then Sue and I quite often take the dogs out at night. So we took the dogs out into the meadow, which is right opposite our house. And I got about 10 minutes in the field. And suddenly, you know, the dogs were pulling because they're trained to pull when they run. Yeah, so The dogs were pulling on, and I had one on each arm. I was pulling them back. And then suddenly I felt, whoa, couldn't breathe. And I said to Sue, no, I've, I'm a first aid direct military. I thought, this is not a chest sprain. This is, this is something else. You know? mm. I said, we, we need to get home quick. So we got home. Um, we phoned the emergency services and they said, well, you know, you can wait for an ambulance, but they're really busy at the moment because of COVID. So you, I suggest you drive here. So mm. Sue drove me to the A&E. Um, obviously, she wasn't allowed to come in. Oh. So I, they diagnosed me very quickly on triage and said, right, you look like you have a heart attack. So we need to get you in. Uh, the the paramedics that came to pick me up, sorry, the paramedics that met me immediately assessed that I probably had a heart attack, and said, right, okay, we need to get you to see a doctor straight away. Um, and within a couple of hours, I was on the operating table, um, and they they did an angiogram. You know, where they where they put the thing up your arm,
0: yeah. and
1: took took took, a, took the took a camera into my heart and saw that I had a 99% blockage on the on the aorta artery oh. going into the top chamber. So I was like, and that's what's it from pegging it. Yeah. I was such a lucky boy. Now, the thing oh. is, I didn't have time to worry about it, so I didn't. I didn't get frightened about that. Didn't have time to be worried about it. I just assumed that you know I had really bad indigestion because I do suffer from acid. So I didn't. I didn't have too much time to worry about it, to be honest. Um, and because of my training, my running training, and because of my yoga training, because I've been doing yoga for years, yeah, and breathing and breath, you mm-hmm. know all the breath work that we do. Um I was reducing my heart rate on my own almost automatically, you know. And mm-hmm. they uh, they they have to have you fully conscious when they do this operation, right? So that you okay. can give them feedback. Sure. So yeah. of course I'm watching on this blooming great big four. Oh,
0: this
1: this thing going up through my veins. And then I can actually and I could actually feel it going up my arm and could feel <sighs> it going up my heart. And then of course, when they got to where the blockage was as soon as they pushed the camera into the blockage, they plugged the, the one millimetre hole that the blood was going through. So of course- Oh I my go, gosh. Argh. I said, whoa. So of course he pulled it back and said, oh, sorry. He said, that's why we need you to be conscious because we need you to tell us. Uh, and of course, before he did the operation, he got me to sign, you know, like we do with the firewalking, sign a disclaimer. Yeah. yeah. He said, right, these are the four possible outcomes. And of course, one of them was dying. <gasps> and, and the other one was having to, being able to resuscitate you if you die. And then you know the other one is that you might have a stroke because we might dislodge some plaque. And then the other one is you're going to be fine. So I said I'll go for the one where I'm going to be fine, please. Yeah. <laughs> I've uh, made the choice. <laughs> yeah. And funnily enough, they they were amazing. The, the whole there must have been about 14 people around the table, and I don't know what any of them did except for the surgeon. But they were all amazing, and they were all keeping my spirits up and talking to me. And and anyway, he put a stent in. Um, the stent is when it's it opens up the the wall. They, they dislodge all the plaque and then they, okay, the so stent they
0: sucked in. it all out. And
1: then then they just they, they put the um the stent in to hold it open and then yeah. eventually, eventually the the um cholesterol and, and muscle will grow over it so it becomes smooth. Um, okay. but there's all you know there's always a risk when you have a stent foot because it could block again. But yeah. um but it's it's been fine. Um unfortunately oh. they didn't I had I had a full M O T, they couldn't find anything else anywhere else. So but when I, did you
0: have what do they say? When did you have the heart attack then? Was it the day before when they, you went at Sainsbury's?
1: Oh yeah, I got a severe dressing down for not having gone in the day before. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So so now, you know, if I if I if I had a spider walk across my chest, I'd ring nine 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 now, you know, I even get the slightest sensation. I think, whoa, you know. So because I'm, now i
0: suppose you're always on hyper alert because how do you because that must really affect your mental health because now suddenly you you're probably a little bit paranoid you're a little bit oh <laughs> hyper alert what do i yeah. do how do i so all,
1: all of that all of that and also what i didn't tell you is that two days before i had my heart attack my daughter my daughter gave birth to our grandchild in my lounge oh so <laughs> that's why i always remember that that's why i always remember the day because it was Three days afterwards, so the you know, my daughter, my my granddaughter was born on the third, and I had a heart attack on the fifth. Oh um, my gosh! In your uh, lounge? My lounge. She had a she had a pool birth in the lounge. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So I, so I, you know, I was my biggest concern was that I would never see my granddaughter again. Oh, you know, and I, and I actually went. You know, the training that we do in the fit, you know, to train yeah. people to face their demons and all the rest of it. But yeah, I had to actually face that demon when I went into. Fortunately, I was in a private room. But I had to face the demon that I might go in that room and that would be the last time I'd ever go into a room again. And I, and I looked out the window before I went onto the operating theatre and I thought, this could be the last time I actually look out of a window and see a tree, you know? and 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 all that stuff i had to, I had to process all that and I but initially...
0: how how do you process that because i know that you know sometimes and i think when when things play in the back of your head so i'm i'm 53 now my mom was 56 when she died and she died of cancer and so she had very similar digestive problems that i have and you yeah. know they kept saying oh it's digestion it's your colitis it's your whatever yeah. And so whenever now, as and the older I get, every time I have a digestive issue, then suddenly this voice in my head is like, but my mom went down this road and, and they said that it, and it ended up being liver cancer, kidney cancer. And so my mind will then sometimes take me to that place of going, mm-hmm. how do I deal with this? I don't want to not see my grandchildren again. I don't want to not see my kids. What, so how did you, because I mean. I still don't know what the answer is so how did you deal with
1: that? Quite, quite simple really. Um I've I've suffered I, I don't like to use the word suffered. I'd rather use the word overcome. But I'd mm-hmm. suffered, you know, mental health issues from being a child. You know, I went through a lot of trauma in, as a mm-hmm. child. I went through trauma in the military. Lost my mum when I was 19 while I was in the military in a war in Cyprus. Mm-hmm. She died we're back in the UK. Uh, and she died at 58, so she died young. Um and uh, the various other traumas as well, which I won't bore you with, but, you know, I had a lot of mental health issues in my family, not just me, and yeah. a lot of, and then I discovered that there was a lot of mental health issues in my ancestors as well, there's mm. a lot of senior officers in the military, yeah, so there was, there was like a history of, of serious mental health issues, um, so I've done a lot of work on myself, before I met you, I'd probably been doing this stuff for like 20 years, yeah, yeah. so I've done a lot of work on myself to try and let go of my stuff, my, my demons, yeah. And so I had to use the tools that we teach you guys. And, you know, I learned myself when I did my training with people like Tolly and other people that I train with. I had to use those tools myself, on myself. And I had to to release those feelings and just let them go and say, hang on, these are just feelings. This is not reality. This is just imagination going crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I actually, I can remember saying, well, you know, I've had a bloody good life. I've got two amazing kids who have a fantastic wife. Um, You know, we've we've had a good life. We've done a lot of great things. We've met some amazing people. Mm. We we haven't done a bad job, basically, despite the fact that I've had some adversity. I haven't actually done a bad job. So today, if it's gotta be today, today's a good as day as any. And I'm not a religious person, but I am a spiritual person. So I believe that we are, you know, passing through. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) to the next life. (laughs) how we pass through or I don't understand it but I do believe that we do you know and so therefore I believe that we come into a human body we live our human existence and then we move on to whatever the next chapter is yeah so I wasn't really that scared to be honest to be honest with you I didn't want to go obviously but but I wasn't frightened about it and of course that's what the firewalking training is about it's about learning not to be frightened about things to accept them and and you accept the worst possible case and and assume that the best is going to happen well that's what I did the worst possible cases was I was going to die. <laughs> Best case was I was going to be fine.
0: Yeah, and I think like you were saying about the, um, you know, when I did my fire walking training um, and it was all about wanting to do something epic, but obviously being led there by some unknown force, I think, at the end of the day, because it just it felt right that I needed to be there for whatever reason. Obviously, I know now what the reason was.
1: But Are I remember
0: when I... breakthroughs. Yeah, all those breakthroughs I had and a conquering fear. But I do remember sort of doing the fire walk once and then I almost didn't want to do it again because I was like, oh, I don't know if I was a one hit wonder. Um, And then of course, when I went back with Paul, my husband, and he just did all of it even then I was like oh I don't know if I want to do it because I, I don't know if I can do it again and then when him and I went back on a third time um, for some get-together that we have and then I did it and then I was like oh you see why do you doubt yourself you didn't burn your feet you fine let's do it again you know and right. I think it's such a transformative experience because we have so much fear of our own incapabilities and we don't realize just how powerful we are because I can't remember if you were there when Paul was trained yes yes you were because yeah because he still speaks about your enneagram and your session yeah
1: yeah. that's
0: right yeah and I mean so he has been the most incredible example for me about mindset and how you can change it and often when I've had these I'm gonna die or you know I've still got so much life to live and stuff and and he lives his life without much fear at all you know and i've said to him babe how have you handled it and he just says i just accept that when my time comes my time comes and there's nothing i can do about it and i think that, and that's exactly what you're saying it was just a matter of you don't want to but it's an acceptance of if this is going to happen now but at the same time it obviously wasn't your time because you knew you needed to get to the hospital, you needed to sort this, you needed to live to tell the story.
1: Yeah, and I've done a lot of work with a lot of other people now because of of that experience. And I share the story a lot with people to try and prevent them from having a heart attack in the first place. So tell us a little bit about that. So basically what I learned was that, what I learned about myself was that mental anxiety is a massive contributor to strokes and to cardio, you know, cardiovascular disease. Yeah, wow. not just diet. So a lot is a lot of it's what happens up in the brain, um, and the mind. Uh, and I, you know, I, I had to learn to let go of the anxiety. You know, I I used to overthink things all the time. You know, mm. and I had to learn to not do that. And so what I do is I I decided to go on a on a tour doing a talk called Let It Be Easy, which is you know Tolly's book yeah <laughs> and I did I designed it into a talk which takes about an hour and I was going to places like the Rotary Club and play, you know with with elderly people and telling yeah. them my story and sharing with them and saying look you know if you take responsibility for your body the chances are you'll be fine but if you wow. if you subcontract your responsibility out to medical profession and the, to the pharmaceutical industry you're screwed <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah because that's what they want you to do they want yeah. you to be and they want you to be dependent on their drugs because that's yeah. how they make money and that's how they get their control because they you know it's it's controlled by fear you know and i said mm. that, you know you've got to take responsibility for your own well-being and your own your own health and, and that's easier said than done but it's the truth you know yeah. you've got to think about what you eat every day you've got to think about exercising every day you've got to think about what you think and put good thoughts in and not bad thoughts in. Mm. You've, got about, you've got to think about what the what the fallout is to your reaction your actions when you take negative action or derogatory action towards other people. You've got to remember that, you know, you, in other words, you have to take responsibility for everything that goes into your body yeah. and everything that comes out of your body, you mm. know. And and just stop and think before you say things and do things. Because every time you make a miscalculation, there's a consequence. Mm. So, you know if, if you if you are nasty to somebody or unkind to somebody there's a consequence in the universe yeah if, if yeah. you allow somebody else to be nasty to you and you don't stand up for your your own rights there's a consequence mm. you feel that you let yourself down by not not standing up yourself and so I learned I, I learned a hell of a lot in those two days in the hospital
0: yeah. yeah and the doctor and-
1: said to me that had I not been had I not been doing the training I probably wouldn't have made it Yeah, yeah. Because I developed a whole load of new blood vessels from running. Yeah, Um, and also he said he said, "What were you doing on the table?" Because we noticed that your we noticed that your blood pressure and your your resting pulse went down and not up. Normally people go up. I said, "Well, because I was doing breathing techniques to try and relax myself, Mm. thinking about the fact that I might be dying." yeah and
0: i mean that's what it that's what it's about at the end of the day what empowerment is all about isn't it it's about empowering yourself and i think this whole thing about taking responsibility for your for your own health is sometimes i mean we all know that we should but as you say i think it's sometimes that there's almost like that part of you i know like in, in my scenario sometimes is that i'm like because you know, human behavior is all about, don't tell me what to do. I want to do what I want to do, you know? So don't tell me I can't have more than one glass of wine or don't tell me that I can't have that chocolate. And then it's about realizing that, well, it's not about anybody telling you what to do. It's about choosing or knowing and accepting what the consequence of that could be. So, Eat your chocolate, drink all your wine that you want to, but then you need to accept that there's a consequence for that.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And also, you know, all of those things that you mentioned are all highly addictive. Yeah. So unless you unless you can counter that natural addiction to that sugar, you know, your body's going to want more of it. Yeah. And so, okay, so it's about awareness of that, knowing that actually it's not your fault. It's addictive. Yeah? yeah. So it's about being. It's not about you being at fault. It's about you learning to resist it and make your own choices, yeah? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the key, that's, the, that's my massive learning, is that, you know, I, I think Bruce Lipton put it beautifully on, a, on a, a, a TED talk that he did. He said that, you know, we are conditioned from, the, from during birth, time of birth, up to about seven years old, we are massively yeah. conditioned, and then we, spend, then we spend the rest of our life, 95% of the time on autopilot from that conditioning,
0: yeah? yeah. yeah. It's so true because even like our diet and what we do, and I always joke with my my brother Roland because he's the the biscuit monster. he he <laughs> could live on biscuits from morning till night, he would. But the interesting thing is is that my mom always used to talk about when she was pregnant with him that she would sit down with a pot of tea and she would finish off an entire bag of biscuits and I said to him your love of biscuits comes from mom's love of biscuits when you were in the womb you need to break that habit
1: I mean, you know, we, we whether we like it or not, we inherit so much of our behavior from our parents yeah. or, or whoever it was that brought us up. You know, it might be your grandparents, it might be an aunt, whatever. Yeah. Whoever it is that you spent the most amount of time with when you were influential, that's that's who you become, whether you like it or not. And that's how yeah. we, we grow into our parents. <laughs> that's
0: it. And I think we also, I think sometimes there's misinterpretations because I was, I was driving early on, and I quickly had to go and drop something off and there were two cars in front of me. And they were slow. And my natural reaction was like, come on, hurry up. Come on. You know, and like getting really irritated with them and then stopping myself and going, you've got plenty of time. What is this behavior about? And so I'm driving it back because, you know, I'm very self-aware and I'm driving back and I'm going, why, why do you react that way? And I remember my dad saying something when I learned to drive and, but I misinterpreted it. And he said, I want you to treat everybody else on the road like a fool but what he meant was that not everybody is always aware all of the time so we all do silly things because I mean you know how you can drive off and you can become distracted and you're in your head yeah But, but my behavior was one of literally treating people like a fool oh you idiot what did you do that for oh and I was like why am I doing that so it was kind of having that awareness of going wait you misinterpreted this and this is your action which is not a nice action um, and it it doesn't make you feel good because it makes me feel bad afterwards so what would you say to people of how to pay attention to those thoughts because obviously we can't pay attention to our thousands of thoughts every day But it's about that becoming aware of our thoughts because that has a massive impact on our mental health and how we feel about ourselves and how we show up and express ourselves in the world.
1: Well, you know, I'm a great advocate of meditation. So, I, you know, I've been practicing meditation for years and fortunately my English teacher in school was a, a a guy that taught transcendental meditation didn't know what it was at the time <laughs> but he taught it and, and I used to sit in I used to go to the classes after school and we would meditate we would do yoga and we would do judo he was a Chinese guy um, so I was very lucky that I learned to meditate very early I was also um, lucky stroke unlucky that my parents were quite religious and we lived opposite church so I went to church whether I wanted to or not from very young age and so we learned to pray and of course prayer is is meditation as well in yeah. its own form you know so i sort of learned that it's natural to just sit quietly and just think about the things that are, contemplate life you know mm. um but i think that the, the key is you can't control your thoughts because i don't know what my next thought's going to be any more than you do mm. what you can do is control how you respond to the thought and yeah. I, I like the idea of treating thoughts like clouds you know the thought will <laughs> come and it will it could come and stop over you and pour with rain on you or snow on you or strike you with lightning and then it will move on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <you know. laughs> That's a great way of looking what, at it. What we tend to do is we see the cloud, we grab hold of it, we make it into a thunderstorm, and then we quadruple <gasps> it by panicking. Yeah. And then we then we then we, we imagine it into the point where we think it's a saber toothed tiger gonna rip our asses off, you know. Yeah. And, then, and then and then suddenly we're having a s we're having a breakdown or whatever, you know. Because we've massively take, we've taken something that was just a thought, which is just chemicals in your body, interacting to warn us to do something, yeah? Because that's all it is. It's just our fight or flight kicking it, yeah? And then we take it as reality. Oh, my God, yeah. oh, my God, I'm going to die. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah, the drama queens, you know, the, the, the slightest little thing will make them fly off the wall. You know? um, yeah. And so it's about just accepting that it's just a feeling, and you know, because the thought will create a feeling. Just yeah. accept feeling allow the feeling to be felt yeah and then pass through your body or part you know and or if it's just a thought just let it come in and let it go don't 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 grab hold of it and try and rip it to bits just you know just allow it to come in and go and that's the great thing about the release technique which is a, a thing that i learned years ago you know is is it's just allowing thoughts to come and let them go
0: yeah and then, then you, you can just decide, you just
1: and you have to discriminate whether a thought is a useful one that's actually going to help you in the situation you're currently in, or whether it's it's just the shitty committee, you know, these multiple voices just telling you things that you don't really need to know. Yeah. You know, and you just let those thoughts go, and it's you yeah. know you have to pay attention to the one that's safe. So basically, the thought, any thought that has got some kind of positive um, intention behind it. You know, or loving intention behind it is the one to pay attention to. Any thought that comes into your body that is going to do you harm and make you feel bad about yourself, make you feel unhappy or unsafe, is just your ego. Yeah, and it's learning to discriminate between those those different voices because we all have them. Everybody, everybody has multiple voices in their head. You know yeah. Some people will tell you that they're sorted, and that's bullshit. Everybody yeah. has voices in their head. <laughs> Doesn't matter who they are. You know, and um, but but there are those that. I've got good emotional intelligence and can deal with it and there are those that haven't you know and to me it's just learning practicing something that will help you to deal with it like meditation you know breathing or yoga or or something that can just help you to to -hmm. allow your body to relax on a regular basis because we need to we need to learn to relax people don't spend enough time just sitting still and relaxing
0: yeah they don't breathe they don't take the time to just be i remember my dad saying to me years ago saying oh my goodness can you just slow down can you just be can you just allow yourself to be you don't have to always be doing something and i think you know we were just chatting to a lady earlier on on her interview and she was saying that you know that old belief that you know you've got to work hard you've got to work hard for your money so you were always so busy you let couldn't just let even it be. Is,
1: let it be easy. And it, you know, they don't say let it do easy let it yeah. be and be yeah easy.
0: and but you a cool. human being not a human doing i heard that one now that i thought that was pretty indeed. cool indeed
1: and and also you know you think about it you know we went through our era of our age but these poor kids now they're inundated with data 24 oh, non-stop just non-stop and then not only are they inundated with data but they're then measured on everything as well yeah you know so the poor i I feel sorry for kids. and so i think children more than anything now need to be taught emotional intelligence and meditation and breathology and all the rest of it you know breath work because because they need to learn to actually be still and be and relax as well as exercise i think the problem is they they either don't exercise at all or they're bombarded with information yeah so they go from being massively anxious or incredibly still and lethargic and of course that's when you end up with mental illness
0: that's right so I want to talk about something else a little bit uh, in terms of masculinity and men because I had a really interesting conversation last week with Roland and he was giving us his perspective of the pressures of you know that that are put on men and how to deal with that, and and obviously, and actually, I had a similar conversation with Steve a couple of years ago when he visited us, and saying about that men now these days feel that their role, is, they don't know what their role is, they don't know what is expected of them, they don't know. There's just so much put onto men, and because women, obviously, we being uplifted, which was long overdue, we we coming into equality, and we, but. In the wake of that, men are going. Well, where do we fit in now? How do? What is our role? What is expected of us? Uh, can we touch somebody? Can we say something? Um, mm. Are we needed? Are we significant? Mm. So, what would you say about that,
1: from your perspective? Well, you know, having been somebody who was highly conditioned by a very male-dominating family. And my father was a major in the tank corps. For God's sake, you know, oh. um, so he was very macho and very alpha male. Only a little guy, but very alpha male, right? And um, suffering, t- he suffered terribly from you know mental health problems because of what mm. happened in the war. Uh, so, and then I had a, I had a military brothers and sisters as well. So you know there was, there was a lot of, lot of lot, not narcissism, but a lot of machoism mm-hmm. in the family, and only two girls, my mother, um, and. I think that you're right. I mean, you, you know, we were brought up in a farming world where a man's role was to go out and do the physical work on the farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the harvest, feed the cows, milk the cows, feed the animals, whatever, you know, tend the land. And there were lots of physical jobs that you had to do every day, you know? And so that that A got you working physically and, and while you're doing, you can't mm-hmm. be thinking, you know? Whereas now I think men have got way too much time on their hands. Um, they're put under massive psychological pressure especially mm-hmm. if you're employed because employees want their massive pound of flesh yes yeah? Yeah. um and then of course you've got the competition because everybody's told they have to work really hard to become yeah. successful you know so you've got the, you've always got that competition going on as well you've got the you've got the fight or flight problem where, where people are scanning for danger because you know you're looking looking for something in the you in the back especially in the yeah. corporate world you know um and and then you, and then of course you've got the, the different role models you know you got you got the feminine and the masculine, and
0: yeah.
1: the old model of you know the wife living at home, and doing the cooking and looking after the children, and the guys going out and you know I'm talking about you know year, thousands of years ago you know where men would go out and have to hunt and gather yeah, or whatever yeah. um, those models have gone you know that nobody has to do that anymore you just go to Sainsbury's. Yeah. You know, or, or, you, or you don't even have to go to the Sainsbury's name. You just pick the phone up, and the Sainsbury's comes to you. So yeah, and they deliver. We don't have to do any hunting and gathering anymore. <laughs> and and I think men, I think I think men and women, but I think men especially need to have a need to have a purpose in their life.
0: Yeah. And then
1: you have, you need to have a reason to get up in the morning. And mm. I I know from lockdown, you know, that I've suffered big time from not having a purpose. You know, to getting up in the morning and thinking, yeah. oh my god. Run any events because I'm not allowed to. So what the hell am I going to do all day?
0: Mm. You know,
1: I know Steve and other people I've spoken to have all had the same problem because we're used to being with people. I think the other thing is, of course, we're human beings are naturally tribal. Yeah. yeah. We are tribal creatures and therefore we are designed to be in herds. We're herd animals, mm. right? And when you're when you're isolated like we've all been forced to be, it's totally inhuman or inhumane, mm-hmm. you know. To, to make people be isolated for long periods of time. And I, I, I am really um, mindful of the long-term effects that this COVID lockdown is gonna have on our children and on our elderly yeah. or on everybody because everybody's yeah. been affected yeah. by it differently. Uh, but I'm really worried about the effect that it's having on this particular intake of kids yeah. who have missed out on a year of uni or missed out a year at school because society, has conditioned them to think that they have to do that study at that time yeah you and i know that you can go and do a degree anytime yeah you can go change your job anytime but when yeah. you're a kid you don't know that yeah no. so they're they're all terrified that they're now they've now missed their opportunity to mm. be able to go on and to go to uni or get the right job or whatever it is you know because they have their their year been screwed up yeah and They're out of
0: routine and things have changed, and now they've got to be scared, and they and and they're not able
1: to socialise. So they're yeah, and I think
0: they must feel the same. It's like, can we touch our friends? Can we hug our friends? Can we sit close to them? Can we play together? Can we, you know, there's so
1: much uncertainty in the world. Bless her, she's an amazing mother and a fantastic businesswoman, and you know, she really takes responsibility for her life but she's bought in 100% to the rules. No, no, you can't, you know, you've got to be two meters apart, you can't hug, da, 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 you know, mm. and that's it. That's what the rules say, that we can't do it. You know, yeah. regardless, rather, regardless of whether I can say, well, it just relax, we can have a hug. But no, 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 the, no, the government has said we can't, so we can't, you know? Yeah,
0: and, and, and that's like such a great way, or, or should I say, almost like an example of how we, the likes of you and me and the other people that we associate with is about teaching people about how to be themselves be intuitive be self-aware think for yourself think out the box because you know there are many ways to do things as you say you don't have to I remember um, somebody, one of my my tutors, freaking out about her child not being able to go to uni and all of that. And I was like, enroll them on an in an online uni. There's online unis all over the show, and you probably find a better one than in the area, you know. So it's really about teaching people to think out the box and think for themselves, take charge. And I think that's what what falls in so beautifully about what you said: take responsibility for yourself you know what's best for yourself you know not the government not the doctors not the pharmacists not the blinking schools because unfortunately the schools have failed us for so many or should i say the system's not quite working anymore because if it was working our children would all be taught how to be emotionally intelligent they would be taught life skills they would be taught about their health they would yeah. be talked about eating and taking care of their bodies and how to have great relationships, but it, it's just not happening. It, it hasn't changed. And I think so.
1: I think we need, we, we, we need to learn. You know, a friend of mine, Richard Wilkins, who's one of my teachers, he said, you know, We need to learn to be creators and not waiters. Oh. And that's a lovely, you know? So you have to create, you have to go out and create. And you, don't
0: you, know? you don't wait for
1: permission. You don't wait. A lot of us think we have to line up and queue and wait for permission for everything in life. Do yeah. your help. You just have to get off your ass and go and make it happen. Because <laughs> you know, if you if you wait for somebody else, you'll wait forever. You know, yeah. and the one I learned, you know, from having my heart attack was that it can be all, it can all be over in a blink. You know, so what the hell are you waiting for? You know, why go and have that holiday? Go and do go and buy whatever you need. Go and go and have that treat. You know, go and tell your your relatives and your parents, or you know, if you've got any, if you're lucky enough to have any, go and tell them that you love them every day, you know, go and hug them every day. Tell your kids every day that you respect them and that you're proud of them and that you love them you know what the hell are you waiting for this is not a dress this is it this is the only life you get you know and i've got a lovely sign in my toilet which a friend of mine's the only reason it's in my i keep telling everybody the only reason it's in my toilet isn't because i want it hidden it's because it's i get to see it every day several times a day and i look at it and it's a sign that says you know (laughs) at some stage your life is going to end and your life is going to be rushed by your mind like a movie yeah yeah For god's sake make sure it's worth watching
0: wow and And i think that that is a brilliant way to end this conversation because you know and and i also do want to reiterate though that i've never forgotten about your the way you call it, the shitty committee, because yeah. I'm always quoting it to everybody, and I'm going, you know, those voices in your head. Stop listening to everybody else's voices. My friend John calls it the shitty committee, and it's the same thing where you where you've just said now about, you know, stop waiting. You're waiting because you're listening to the shitty committee. You're listening to everybody else's voice and instead you're
1: of your own. Waiting because you've been conditioned to think that you need somebody's permission. Yeah. You don't need yeah. anybody's permission to be amazing.
0: No, exactly.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. love that, John. Thank you so much. I mean, that was so powerful. And I think that, that I'm going to ask you if there's one more thing that you want to say. So anybody who right now is is possibly waiting or who has knows that their health is not great or, or any kind of area that, that somebody is listening to this and going, oh my gosh, this is me. What is it that you want to leave them with i know you already said stop waiting get off your ass make a decision do something but what is that final word
1: two things very succinctly one about the heart attack is and health generally right if you feel that you are not coping with your health whether it be physical health mental health spiritual health go and get some help pick up that phone and go and mm-hmm. get some help yeah so if you're if you're suffering from anxiety mental health find even if it's just a friend it doesn't have to be a professional but find somebody that can listen to you mm-hmm. and can help Talk you out of it, yeah. Because you know, so many kids are committing suicide or phoning the Samaritans, you know, because they've got to the point where they just can't cope anymore, and they just want that voice. They want the shitty committee to stop. And so the way they think the way to stop the shitty committee is to kill themselves. Yeah. How sad is that, right? So go and help. And then the other one is with regards to the heart attack. You know, and I can only go by my heart attack because that's the only sort of major. Thing I've ever had in my life with to do with my health is that if you ever, if you even think you're vaguely having some kind of a strange sensation in your chest and you're probably over 30 years old, just pick up the phone and ring 111 and just ask their advice anyway. Yeah. Uh, As the surgeon said to me, he said, I would much rather you rang me up and I had to tell you that you're fine than having to make the phone call to your wife to say that you hadn't made it.
0: Oh, yeah i hear you and i think even even i am bad at that where it's like i don't want to trouble them i don't want to bag them it's probably just heart, heartburn stuck wind or something i don't want to feel stupid or foolish by but... but
1: the point is that they want yeah. you to they yeah say no, we want you to ring us because we would rather to give you advice that you don't need and then have to make that phone call to your your yeah your best. Next of kin to say that you didn't make it because yeah. they hate having to make that phone call.
0: Yeah, so thank you for that. I think that was so important. And lastly, so are you doing any courses at the moment, talks or anything yeah. where people we're, can we're,
1: we're, you? I'm doing. I'm doing this. I do a lot of these. I've done three today, so I yeah. a lot of. Where, where I'm just trying to get get out there what we do. Um, yeah, I have a new uh, website now called the Inner peace Ooh my new new company it's not a new company because it's been over 10 years but we set that up 10 years ago as a charity
0: yeah.
1: as a, a company to, to 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 give back yeah so it's a not for profit um so the, the innerpeacecenter.org oh. is where all my courses will be um, okay. we we've, we've just today decided that we're going to be doing our first course which is going to be at the end of June that's going to be in Birmingham so Birmingham okay. um so that will be up on my facebook soon brilliant and then uh, this morning, I noticed that you know, you know, Sir Tom Moore, the captain that died. Yes, yes. The 100, 100 year old guy. Well, yeah. he, his daughter has now said she wants people to go out and do fundraising events that are anything to do with the number 100, right? Okay. So I've made a call today to all my military friends and said, right, we're going to do a firewalk and we're going to get 100 firewalkers together and then we're going to raise money for this this trust fund that they've set up, which is to help mil- military veterans. Yeah. amazing so that's that's two events in one day that's not bad is it that's really
0: really cool and i will share john's details below this video as well but just looking back who uh, was...
1: wants to meet up with me then just go on to facebook j-o-n-b-o-y-s yeah uh, you'll, you'll find, find his me. lovely face there
0: yeah you'll find me yeah. and,
1: and i love interacting with people i'll always interact with people if they interact with me yeah, so, yeah thank you
0: that's... so much it was wonderful to talk to you thank you for sharing what you have yeah and a big high five big hug thank you john and if anything in this episode this um, interview has affected you if there's anything that resonates with you and you really want to find some help please listen to that voice and go and find that help pick up the phone. There's always somebody that is prepared to help you. Don't feel embarrassed. Don't feel ashamed because know this, that you are not alone. If you are feeling like that, the probability is that there's thousands of other people that feel the same as well. So thank you for tuning
1: in. If they got nobody
0: else to ring, ring us. That's it. Ring us. You can find us on Facebook. You can ring us. So thank you so much from me, Deborah McPhillamy. and I will see you on the next episode. Thank you for tuning in.
1: Thanks, Deborah. Thanks, Hamu.
0: Thank you for listening. Tune in next time to hear more about how you can be more EQ.